0: Hey Rosie, how you doing? I'm
1: very well. How are you? Thank you so much for rescheduling. We are here and on what would have been Phil's 72nd birthday.
0: Yes, how nice is that, huh?
1: Lovely. Um,
0: That's always always great. I I was always uh, secure in the fact that he was always older than me.
1: (laughs) The (laughs) much older friend, you
0: know. That's the problem with him not being around. I'm the oldest guy in the room, you know, so that, that kind of pisses me off a little bit.
1: It can happen. That's very unkind of him. Um, I, I guess my first question will be, what was he like to you? I mean, we only see, only saw him as the incredible frontman, bass player, one of the mm-hmm. great Irish poets. But what was Phil to you?
0: Well, he, as a matter of fact, he was probably one of my very, very best friends. We, um oh, I guess it was almost uh, eleven years. You know, we practically did everything together uh, because we were such good friends. We, you know, really trusted each other in everything. Uh, we did a lot of the interviews together. Uh, we kind of tag team that way. A lots so. of
1: share the so, burden.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Now the problem with Phil, though, right? I mean, he was so Irish in these uh, interviews that say like you. If you would have asked him something about Ireland and and you got it wrong, <laughs> he would just go, Oh, oh, okay. Now listen, Rosie, this is, these are the facts about Ireland, right? And you would get a history lesson.
1: Oh, and I'd be sitting there like
0: I'd be sitting there like this, going, Really, man? <laughs> Again. <laughs> I had to I had to talk to him about it and say, Listen, you know, we're over here in America or Australia or Europe, whatever. He said, Man, you know, we're in these radios, we we're, we're trying to sell albums here, and you're giving history lessons. I know.
1: love it. So do you feel Irish uh, You
0: know, he was, he, was such, he was such an Irishman that, uh, uh, and, and Ireland wasn't really, you know, early on with them, Ireland really wasn't opened uh, up for musicians yet, right? U2 uh, hadn't happened. Uh, uh, Van Morrison was out there, but when I was growing up, we all thought he was English.
1: Yeah, <laughs> because, right. You
0: know,
1: no one so, had really uh, thought of Irish musicians, I guess
0: yeah, so he was he was right in doing that anyway.
1: So do you have Irish blood in you or do you just feel Irish now because of everything that you've learnt and experienced?
0: No, I am flat out uh, half Irish yep my mother, my mother was a hundred percent Irish yeah she from uh, uh, the county of Inniskillen.
1: Oh, I have heard yeah, of it
0: is, okay, good, good, which is Northern Ireland. Uh, and, you know, Phil was the southern part, I was the northern part, uh, never the twain may uh, meet, but, uh, uh, you know, he wasn't really, he, he was political in that, you know, up the IRA and all that stuff, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, But you know, he never really condoned, uh, you know, all the violence and all that that was happening there. He, he saw how he was shutting down all the borders and musically and, uh, mm. you know peace and happiness for everybody, you know. So Terrible. Was, yeah, you know, but but he understood the problems that they were going
1: through. Yeah, you can say from his lyrics that he was a very deep thinker. Um, and does that come out in the movie Songs for While I'm Away? It hasn't been released in Australia yet. We're still waiting and we're in lockdown again. So hopefully we'll get to the cinema soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, you know, I, I, a bit of it does come out. Uh, it doesn't dwell on that. Uh, I think what the, the the movie is more about is, is more about just him as a person, how mainly how he grew up. Mm. Uh, uh, you know the the different versions of Thin Lizzy, uh, you know, and how he collaborated with the different writers and musicians uh, in the band. Uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of um, you know other well-known band members uh, from from other bands that. Uh, you know, there were huge fans of uh, yes. not only Phil, but but of Phil Leinert himself. You know that you know he actually inspired these people to to go out and finally, eventually, do w- what they're doing now. You know, so
1: do anything uh, you want to. There you go. Yeah, I love that song so much. It's I so inspirational. That one.
0: I love that. One. <laughs> do we call it a movie or do we call it a documentary?
1: Well, it's both. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, It's still a movie, but it's definitely. It it is one of these
0: things. It is one of these things. I mean, I watched it and I I think of myself as kind of a hardcore rock and roll guy (laughs) and and nothing's going to affect me, right? But I found myself uh, laughing really hard. And and then at other points I was actually getting a lump in my throat, you know, almost getting Geared up a little
1: bit. Well, it's you know. your story. It's, it's yeah, it must be really mixed emotions. Um, But oh. I think you joined Thin Lizzy at a really great time. And mm. uh, are you able to relay the story that I read online about your first sort of uh, band meeting or rehearsal or um, your try out where Phil kept disappearing?
0: Uh, my audition.
1: Yeah, your audition. That's the word.
0: Okay. What, what, uh, what What's the question there?
1: Oh, I just, uh, I read about it, how um, you were there playing and Phil just kept disappearing and you weren't sure what was going on, why he was running away from you while you were performing.
0: <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. I Because, uh, <clears throat> you know, at these you know, auditions, you don't know anybody. Uh, I'd never heard of Finn Lizzy at this point. I didn't know who this Phil guy was. I mean, I could tell within probably the first 10 minutes that he was the guy yeah. you was know, everybody talked and everybody looked right at him, you know? So uh, he turned around to Brian Roberts and said, okay, uh, Brian, uh, you know, T. Scott, uh, you know, one of the songs here, right? Okay. Right. So he just made this song and really quickly. Like he went through it twice and go, yeah, okay, you got it? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. You know, so, <laughs> and I'm, I'm furiously watching the net, his hands on the neck to, to make, make these last Microsecond changes, right? Like we get done with the song, and he wouldn't say anything, he would just jump off the stage. So I said, Oh, great, I'm really impressed with that one. Well, okay, great. So he comes comes back. Uh, okay, Brian, uh, uh show got the uh, the next song. He did the same same routine, watch furiously watching the neck, finish the song, jumps off the stage, and, and literally leaves the room, right? And I've, now I'm starting to get worried it's uh, because he's not saying really great or you know that was terrible exactly. nothing I've, I've got no clue at all what's going on here right? so and he does this like four or five times right because we, were, I would think we uh, went to about four maybe five or six songs right and at the end of it you know I'm closing my guitar case I'm thinking oh jeez I really blew that. you know I mean this guy this film guy really, really doesn't like me you know and, and as I'm clo- closing up my case uh, He's going so, uh, Scott. You you got a telephone number? (laughs) I'm thinking, because I really want to be in this thing now. Yeah, right. Now that I've played with these guys, I really want to be in this thing, right? So, and I'm so he's he's asking for my number. I'm thinking, okay, well, I I looks like I got a chance here. I told him, and he he writes down in in the smallest piece of paper you could ever find, right? These numbers are so small. I'm thinking. Okay, he's gonna lose that, right? So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do so well. <laughs> well. My emotions were going up and down yeah. and up and down because, like I say, I really wanted this gig, and uh, and I only had thirty more days on my visa. And I had oh. to get plane and go home, right? So and now I finally find this band that I really want to be in. Uh, so that's where all the emotions are coming from, right? But uh, it got to about 10 o'clock that night and uh, <clears throat> the flat that I was staying in. The phone rang and, hey, Scott, there's a there's a telephone call from him. Mm-hmm. Who could be called me and, and it was Phil.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Goes, oh, we've been listening to the tapes and went tapes. What tapes? Right. <clears throat> and that's what he was doing. He kept jumping off the stage because I guess they had a, an A-track in the next yeah. room. And he wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, it was being recorded correctly and all that, so they could go back and, and listen to it later, right? And he says, "So uh, we all we've been listening to the tapes, and we all figured that you're the guy. You're the guy that's going to fit into this whole thing. We've already tried out 24 guitar players. Oh gosh, you're 25. and that's your lucky number. Do you want to be in Thin Lizzy? And I don't think I can say yes quick enough or loud enough." Uh, <laughs>
1: Well, it was so, lucky you were home because, you know, no yeah, sort so of answering was, services or anything back then. So it was meant to oh be. Oh,
0: God, no. No we, no, we had a pay phone in the, in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets pretty low budget there for a while. Oh, that's know?
1: fantastic. Uh, so was that 73 or was it 74 at that 74, point? 74. Yeah. 1974. Oh, brilliant. Uh, I'll fast forward four years. It took me until 2013 to see you play uh, when Thin Lizzy came out with, there was a KISS tour in Melbourne. Um, but I want to go right. back to 78 when you played in Melbourne at the Myer Music Bowl and the Sydney Opera House. My partner was lucky enough to go. I was only two years a, of age, so wasn't quite up for it. do make me
0: feel bad.
1: Um, uh, and we've got the DVD of the Sydney Opera House gig. We watch it often when we've had too many whiskeys on a Saturday night. What are your recollections uh, of of that time here?
0: Well, um, like you said, we, we, I think we'd been in uh, – Australia for about 10 days and we'd done, uh, three or four shows. Right. But the next one was going to be Sydney. Right. And the whole idea was, uh, you know, the Sydney father figures, you know, they, they were kind of shaky on this thing about you play, playing at our Taj Mahal, our twin towers. You know, this is the building. Oh my God. You're going to play on the steps.
1: Opera's here. What do these rock and rollers think they're doing? Yeah.
0: What's going on here? You know? So, uh, they capped it up. They said it, it's five thousand people, maybe six. <laughs> six it was five or six thousand people that was going to be the cap, right? So I think as we were um, either flying back to Sydney or driving, or whatever. I think what happened was there was a couple of uh, radio stations that they, they obviously knew that we were going to be doing this, right? And they got on the air and said, "Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know the Thin Lizzy concert is." Uh, uh, tonight, uh, we think there's a couple more tickets left. So if you get down there quick enough, you can grab a couple of tickets. So, <laughs> so, so what happened? It wasn't just a couple hundred people that came down. It was like tens of thousands of people came down, right? Which is great, right? You think, wow, this is we've hit the jackpot here. How cool is this? But the problem we realized is that the PA that we were using was woefully underpowered for, you know, 60, 65,000 people. It was going to be okay for 5,000 people, but not, you know, 65,000 people. Uh, You know, the the monitors were very small, too. So all of a sudden, we've got this massive hearing problem on stage. You know, our, our drummer was having a terrible time, Mark Nassif. So even though it was fun... It was kind of terrifying at the same time because you're thinking, oh, my God, what is this sounding like to most of the people out there? <laughs> Are we getting to you in the back? You know, <laughs> but, uh, You know. Ultimately, ultimately, it was fun. And you know what you should do is, is stop watching that uh, Sydney Opera House copy that you have because we just got the, uh, no, I'm, I'm saying this for a reason, because we got the uh, uh, multi-tracks. Finally, after all these years, we got the multi-tracks. Oh, We've finally gone in and mixed, you know, the Sydney Opera House uh, Festival. So,
1: Oh, brilliant.
0: Yeah, that's the one you should be listening um, to when
1: it comes out. Okay, so when is that coming out? Probably
0: next year. Okay, great. I would say, or um, around Christmas time, something like that.
1: Fantastic. Uh, my partner and I bought the box set last year during our lockdown. It was our lockdown gift. What an incredible yeah. offering that is.
0: Yeah, it's got everything in the sink in there,
1: doesn't it? And all the demos. It's so great to hear a different version or how it sort of evolved into what the songs have become. Like you to have that archive is incredible.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. You know, I was really nervous about the whole demo side of things. You know, uh, because really, you know, when you're doing a demo, it's really you're thinking in the back of your mind. Well, you know, there's uh this really isn't for any kind of human consumption at all so so we can kind of be lazy about it we're really kind of just probably going for you know this chord pattern then we're going to try out that. Mm. no one else is going to ever hear this
1: like a rough sketch
0: yeah but you know but when i actually kind of dove deeper into the the demo side of things you know i started to realize well how come why didn't we use that uh section that we wrote there. What was wrong with it at the time? Because I, you know, I would listen to it now and go, man, that was, that was actually really cool. You know, we, we should have put that on the recording. You know? <laughs> you know, you never know what's going through your mind at, at any one point when you're doing these kind of things. But,
1: and the shoulda, coulda, yeah. woulda, but anyway, <laughs> um, which gets me to the fact that we might never have heard uh, boys back in town if you had your way, apparently. Were you the person yeah. that said, "Oh, I'm not sure if it should be on the album"?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, the, well, well, no, you, you, that, that was a uh, that was a, a group effort decision. <laughs> and what we had done is we'd gone in and we demoed up all these songs for the Jailbreak album, yep. right? And uh, at, at that point, we were only going to actually record uh, ten songs, right? And, you know, we mapped out what what the list was going to be, and the boys were back in town, was not on the list. Now, that was before, you know, we you know we came up with all the guitar harmonies and all that. But the, our manager came down, and he said, well, let me hear. Let, let's hear what you've done. You've been in here two weeks. Let's hear what you got, right? And he listened to it all, all of it, you know, not just the ten. He listened to all of it, right? And uh, when he got done, he goes, well, you know, uh, it's it's good, you know. All these all these songs are good, but you know, this song here, this one call it was called something else at the time. But we'll say it, the boys are back in town. Well, how come you're not doing that? You know, uh, well, not really sure. Well, why don't you do for me? Why don't you do that and then take out that song there? And we thought, well, okay. Uh, well, at least there's a one vote for one song. So we we'll <laughs> put that back. We'll put that back in the set. And that's when we really started to work on it. That's when the guitar harmonies came in. It all came to, came to life at that point.
1: That's incredible. Um, I heard when Dusty Hill from ZZ Top passed recently, I was listening back yeah. to an interview, and it's so hard to choose, like, favourite kids or favourite songs or whatever, but which songs are you most proud of, do you think?
0: Wow, proud of? Hmm. Uh, I haven't quite heard a phrase like that uh You're usually proud of that, them
1: yeah, all but there'd be some that you well, have more yeah, for than than you know.
0: you know i kind of go on uh uh what what are the most uh, fun songs to play on stage sure uh I don't necessarily <laughs> sit around here and i've got thin Lizzy playing on my cd player all day long right but it's uh it's it's always down to you know what could be fun to play on stage right and <clears throat> i think the one that's Pretty consistent. Uh, every time we get up there, players is probably the song "Emerald." Oh yeah, it's a, it's it kind of has everything. It, it's got that toughness to it. Uh, you know, Phil's got his his uh, uh, history storyline going in there. It's got all the harmony guitar bits and all that. Uh, or or Black Rose. You Beautiful. know, that's
1: yeah, that's
0: a that's a great song to play. Also, yeah. See, I could kind of keep going on here. Oh
1: no, I love it. You're going to go, okay, Scott, that's enough. No, no, not at all. Um, but, yeah, I think Emerald really did stand out when I saw you in 2013 as being one of maybe because everybody responds to it as well. Yeah. It's sort of like the yeah. sum of its parts, you know, your performance and the way that we react to it too. A lot of bands have said that they, you know, are very much influenced by Thin Lizzy. I guess Metallica for the uh, radio station that I work with, um, we do play their version of Whiskey in the Jar. Um. Mm-hmm. Have you spoken to James about that, or what's the relationship between Metallica and Thin Lizzy? Um,
0: you know, I've never met James. Uh, he sent me a birthday video, and uh, I've never met the man. I've, I've met all the other guys, but it, I just uh, have not been able to to meet James. You know, I talked to Lars about it, and yeah. he said, yeah, that they, they were uh, heavily influenced by, uh, you know, Thin Lizzy. You know, but, you know, it's the same with Iron Maiden. I know all the old guys in Iron Maiden, they say the same thing, you know. Uh, I don't quite see the – where the, the with their music, I don't see where the influence is, but I think probably because, you know, they saw us on stage and, and we gave them enough confidence to say, hey, yeah, man, we can do that. You know, that that looks like a lot of fun. We, we can get up there and do that, you know, so – and that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and a couple of tennis players who are obsessed with music as well, John McEnroe and Pat Cash I was reading in the box set <laughs> –
0: yeah. Yeah. I just got through playing around a golf with the uh, old Johnny Mac there. Right. And uh, he's actually a pretty good player. You yeah. Know, I was a, you know, never play golf with a professional athlete of any kind. Right. Because <laughs> he would just kick your butt all over the place because they have that those fundamentals that they've been working on, you know, athletically their whole lives. Right. But yet, uh Pat Cash, a great guy. I love Pat. So. He keeps saying I was probably really drunk one night and I said, yeah, I'll give you a guitar, and he keeps bringing that up, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I will. Maybe I'll give him a guitar at some point. Uh, you know? um,
1: I just love how some sports people are just, you know, musicians want to be, you know, sports people or whatever, and sports people just want to be musicians. It's funny how you just see the other and what they do as being incredible talents, but, you know, d- just be grateful. With well, I,
0: I have had a jam with, uh, with, uh, with old Johnny Mac. Uh, and Vitas Garolitis. Uh, if you can rem- remember Vetus. Yes. Uh, we had it was the us and uh, the guys in Bad Company. We uh, Venus said he knew uh, all the, these guys, and I knew him too. And we, we rented a this rehearsal. I don't even know how this happened, but we got this rehearsal all together, and. Uh, <clears throat> Other musicians from the rehearsal hall started popping in, grabbing guitars and jumping up there. It was a hell of a lot of fun, you know. And and John, John was, I think, in his kind of embryonic guitar stages at this point, you know, so.
1: Very, very great. Well, when they're back here oh, for the okay. tennis next year, I'll have to ask them about that and get their perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely do that.
1: I love it. I love it so much. Um, just for our classic rock stations that um, this will go on to, um, Mm-hmm. May I ask you to talk about Jailbreak and perhaps the the song itself and and how it was how how it came to be? Anything that you like that you can remember about Jailbreak and recording it, or
0: well, uh, yeah, you are making me go back.
1: I know.
0: Uh, well, it was obviously our, our first uh, successful album, our first big international kind of hit. Um, and I, all I can remember is, you know, it went very smoothly because we uh, demoed the hell out of those songs. Uh, it, it rehearsed it, you know, a lot. So to, to make sure that when we got into the studio, you know, we weren't going to be wasting any time. We could just, you know, chop these things out, you know. Uh, yeah. And like, and like you say, we, we had no idea that uh, the boys are back in town on that album was going to be anything, you know, like hit you know. So we, have, we, have a, we had a really bad track record of picking singles. <laughs> uh, Over the first two albums, it was, it was, we uh, <laughs> made sure we told the record company, we're going to be the ones, we're going to pick the singles, right? And they were total failures, right? So we thought, well, this time, well, we will, maybe we'll let somebody else pick it, you know, and, and the way it got picked, it wasn't by a record company guy. It was from two j- disc jockeys from Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, they fell in love with the boys of Back in Town. At one point, I think they were playing it twice an hour every day, kind of thing, at, to the point where other radio stations around the com- country were picking picking up on this. They started to play it really heavily, and before you knew it, you know, this thing was, you know, nearly in the top ten, you know, for the for the whole country. You know? So we were in uh, we were playing this club one night, and when the manager came back, and he goes. Well, boys, uh, looks like we got a hit on our hands. Well, we all looked up. Really? What song? <laughs> <laughs> that's when we said, "Oh, we better put that back in the sack."
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, no, thanks for for calling back once again. Sorry about the.
1: No, no, that's absolutely thanks. fine. So, um, when the Sydney Opera House multi tracks come back, I might have to uh, get you.
0: No, you'll you'll back on. you will. You will hear the difference, you know, it's so much better. What city are you uh, Mel- actually in right I'm now?
1: I'm in Melbourne.
0: I love Melbourne. It's, it's really one of my favourite uh, Australian cities. It's, it's very cool.
1: It is very cool. So you'll have to come back when lucky everyone's person. allowed. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am very <laughs> lucky. Um, so my partner is a massive fan of, of you and, and Thin Lizzy, but um, he plays this game wherever he's out meeting people where he says, oh, what's the best Irish band of all time? And, you know, obviously people go "You 2 but he only ever gives time to the people that answer correctly. In Lizzie.
0: Look, tell him I like him already, man. <laughs> I'm going to buy him a beer. Thank
1: <laughs> you, and you. Uh, excellent. Thank you so much, Scott. I really, really appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks, Rosie. It was really good talking with you.
1: Take care.